0: Alright. good morning everybody. Um, uh, I'm Hossein Amiri, and uh, as Dr. Mushfeghi said, you know, uh, we all are retinal specialists, and see patients with all retinal diseases, but uh, my special interest is uh, inherited retinal degeneration. Uh, And today I'm going to talk about retinitis pigmentosa. I have no financial interest in this presentation. Uh, Retinitis pigmentosa is a, a basically group of diseases that uh, they have some similar picture um, in the eye, but uh, the the clinical uh, presentation and the way they progress could be different from one person to another. Now, it is uh, one of the, it is actually the most common uh, inherited renal disorder, but it's still if you compare it to age-related macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy is quite rare. One in 4,000 people are affected with this condition. This is the uh, cartoon of the eye, showing that the eye is like basically uh, a camera that has uh, a lens in the front and has a membrane in the back called uh, retina. This membrane acts like film in the camera, not the new digital one. Uh, the previous versions that you had the film. And so the light comes to the focus here on the retina. The retina itself is actually a very complex membrane. It has 10 layers, and the outer layer is the one that is sensitive to light. The other layers are involved in uh, image processing. It's like a computer itself. And in retinitis pigmentosa, these are the cells that unfortunately die over time. So, uh, people with retinitis Pimentosa, uh, they have, they could have, depending on what subtype of the disease they have, could have different presentations. But uh, often they present with difficulty seeing at night, and depending on the disease, it could be starting in the early childhood, sometimes in later, and sometimes in adulthood. Uh, at the same time, people start seeing that they have difficulty during the daytime seeing what is in the peripheral vision. Basically, when you look at something in the center, you can see that sharply, clearly, uh, because the center of your retina is used for that. But also, you see other objects um, in the in the other sides, in the in each side of that. In patients with retinitis pigmentosa, they start having problems seeing those. Then as the disease progresses, uh, the people start having uh, difficulties seeing in the center as well. But uh, luckily, in most uh, patients, that doesn't happen until, um, you know, for, for many, many years, until the late stage of the disease. And how, when somebody comes to us and we suspect, you know, that has retinitis pigmentosa, how we make the diagnosis? Well, we look at the eye. And uh, in the eye you see these like uh, black patches uh, that normally you don't see in normal eye that, that, you know, highly suspicious of that. Then you know the vessels don't look the way they should be looking and also the nerve is pale. These all help in making diagnosis. But then we have a battery of tests that we do to confirm the diagnosis and also to find out what type the person has. And this is a, a autofluorescence, which is a special type of um, camera it uses a special filter to uh, assess which cells are alive and which cells are dead and then the, the black patches an uh, indication of the cells in those areas are dead. Then we do have optical coherence tomography that you know we take basically a cross section of the red knots as if you're Basically, doing uh, putting the retina under the microscope, and it uh, gives us uh, help us in in diagnose, not only in diagnosis but also finding out if the person is affected by some associated conditions that I will go over later. Another test that we do we basically use a visual field. To map the area that the person cannot see, because for the central vision we can ask you to read the chart, and then you know when somebody reads the chart, we can tell you how much the vision is affected. But for the peripheral vision, we do a special test and we map that area. Then uh, another thing that we do is um, so some of you in this room may have experience as well that when you uh, that we basically. Uh, Put a flashlight into the eye In the dark and in the light And then see what electrical activity The eye has Similar to electrocardiogram That's used for the heart function And electroencephalogram That's used for the brain We use that to assess how the retina uh, Is doing And and as you can see on the top That's just an example You don't see any waveform In retina is Usually early in the disease It it becomes uh, flat and finally uh we do genetic testing the, basically in um, the disease is caused by a defect in a gene that uh, fails to produce the protein or enzyme the material that you know has to do uh, is involved in in seeing okay and then what happened uh in um, about 70% of people we know we can when we do gene testing we can find out you know what gene is deficient, but unfortunately still there are 30% of people that even when the genetic testing is done, we cannot find you know, what the deficient gene is. Uh, but then the, knowing the gene it helps to know um, basically if, the, if it came from mom, dad, or from both, or how it's going to be transferred to the next generation. And also now it has the advantage of with the newer treatments coming, A lot of them, especially gene therapies, are going to be dependent on the type of uh, gene defect that the person has. So the helps that are available now are basically education about the condition that patients have, then genetic counseling, if they're going to have to have children, how it's going to be transferred, you know, how many of them are at risk of developing that, then low vision aid, which is Braille Institute is the best in providing the care, and also In people that have less, um, basically, severe form of the disease, they have vision. There are ways to maximize whatever vision is there by using um, special glasses, magnifiers, and others. And uh, finally is to treat the associated conditions. And uh, regular follow-up is important for that reason. Sometimes patients, you know, when they come, they are diagnosed and then... They see that year after year their vision is declining and they don't see any point of going to their physician. Uh, But it it has the benefit of detecting some of the associated conditions because in retinitis pigmentosa, sometimes the retina could become swollen. Sometimes the person can develop cataract. And if you treat these conditions, you can improve the vision and sometimes you can improve it tremendously. Then now, it has additional advantage that newer treatments are coming and uh, people can be informed of what is available and what clinical trials are going in case they're interested to getting uh, enrolled. The first question patient ask is that, is there anything I can take um, uh, as vitamins or other things that can improve the condition or at least slow down or prevent progression. This is just the, the list of some of the, um, basically, vitamins uh, and other things that have been tried, medications. But unfortunately, none of them is proven to be uh, effective. The most common one that people ask is vitamin A. Everybody knows that vitamin A is involved in uh, basically seeing. There's a pigment in the eye that needs vitamin A to... Change to another pigment, and then you know enables us to see. So, if we take vitamin A, it makes sense, you know, for the vision to get better. But there was a biggest study done in uh, 1993 on 601 patients. They came to the c- conclusion that vitamin A uh, actually help if you take. This is we're talking about high dose of vitamin A, and if you take vitamin E, it actually harm you. But this study came under a lot of criticism by experts, uh, indicating that it was not done properly. And I do not recommend vitamin A to patients because uh, later some studies showed that in some of some forms of retinitis pigmentosa, uh, it, it actually can have uh, even uh, adverse effect of causing the disease to progress. Now, what treatments are available now? We have approved treatment, which is retinal prosthesis. So if if somebody asked me three years ago, the answer was no treatment. But now I'm, I'm glad to tell you that at least we have one, and it's retinal prosthesis. Unfortunately, this is not good for everybody. It's good for people that are in advanced stage of the disease and have light perception or no light perception. But the research is ongoing, and hopefully we'll get to the point to be able to Um, have that for people that have even uh, better vision than that. But a lot of research going on now, and gene therapy, stem cell transplantation, and many other uh, treatments are being uh, tried in animals and in humans. Renal prosthesis, there are two types of renal prosthesis. One is approved everywhere in the world, including the US, it's Argus 2 by second side, and the other one is uh, available in the Europe, and it's a little bit behind. There's no advantage um, in that alpha-IMS over the um, Argus that we have. In fact, you know, Argus can be implanted uh, for indefinitely, but you know, the, the alpha-IMS, you have to remove it after certain years. Argus II was developed by Mark Humayun here at USC, and uh, Terry Byland, uh, uh, he will uh, basically show you the device he has, and he, he can talk about it. But briefly, this is a, the, the unit that uh, has, and this is how it goes around the eye, and this is the electrode array that is implanted into the eye. Now, we do that for uh, patients that uh, as I said, qualify, they have that type of uh, lo- low vision, light perception or, or less. And uh, there are special tests that uh, is used to assess the condition, like a square localization or how they see the movement. Basically, people that they have not been able to see anything, now they can see uh, movement of light. They can see bright objects. For instance, if you put the white cup or... Played here, they can differentiate between those, they can see a path and follow a line, which uh, is tremendous help for uh, people who were uh, completely dependent on others. Now, the next topic that I'm going to uh, go is uh, gene therapy. Uh, Gene therapy is not still approved, but uh, it's getting very close to becoming a viable treatment, how it works is that basically the virus that, you know, uh, we are afraid of, it causes disease in us, is used to in- incorporate the gene that we want it to produce, and then we inject the virus into the eye. The virus infects the retinal cells and insert the gene that we want into the cells of the eye, and then the eye produces the material that we want and help with the vision. So, this uh, the first one was a type of retinitis pigmentosa which is called RPE65, and uh, in 2001, this method was used to successfully treat uh, three blind dogs. This is a condition that some dogs you know was born with that similar to retinitis pigmentosa, and they were successfully treated. Now, there are because of that success, there are several. Uh, clinical trials going on that. The best example is SPK RPE65 by a company called Spartac. And they did, uh, presented the result of their phase three clinical trial in the American Academy of Ophthalmology last year. Um, phase three means that if they pass this one, then, um, and it, they show that it's successful, then it can be uh, basically approved by FDA and can be used by others. So in they had 31 subjects included in that and um, the result of that was very impressive. So we have been approached by them to be one of the centers for uh, clinical uh, trials for post-marketing and I'm I'm quite um, excited to see their final results and if it's good, we'll be happy to uh, Enroll patients. However, the gene therapy, as good as it is, it shows that it is good for people that still have cells that are alive. And so for very advanced stages of the disease that some of these cells are, are dead, it is not going to be helpful. A study showed that this, it, although it makes people to see better, but it doesn't prevent progression of the disease overall. So these are other gene uh, examples of gene therapies that are going, but uh, they are still um, you know, in phase one and two, means that we have several years before they can be used by patients. Now, I'm going to t- briefly go over stem cell transplantation. This is um, an area that there's a lot of hope on that to um, enable us to treat patients. The, and the, there are a lot of studies going on in, um, in animals and as in humans, but it's still it seems like it's long away before we, um, before we can use it for patients because there are a lot of complex issues that need to be addressed, how the cells are going to be basically, um, you know, interacting with each other when we transplant them. Uh, but it's something that we definitely need that treatment because patients that have advanced disease, as I said, you know, they're not going to be benefiting from gene therapy as much, but stem cell transplantation could cure any stage of the disease, uh, at least theoretically. Now, in summary, uh, unfortunately, there's no supplement for uh, retinitis pigmentosa to take. Uh, the, uh, we have a treatment and, but the treatment is for advanced stages Argus II renal prosthesis and the gene therapy is, uh, very close to being available for use in patients and stem cell transplantation has a long way to go. Uh, with that, I would like to thank you all for coming here and I would like to thank, uh, Broad Institute for inviting me.